This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome to my favorite murder. Uh, that's Georgia Hardstark. That's Karen Kilgarrett. <laughs> I forgot my lines. <laughs> I forgot my lines. We had the whole show memorized. That's it. And I immediately drop lines in the in the first exchange. You had one job. You had one job to memorize your podcast lines. <laughs> How's it going? Um, good. We're leaving for the UK tomorrow, which is Tuesdays, but this comes out on Thursday, so it's two days ahead. We're ahead, and then we're also early because we just recorded a live one. So right. th- this one, we're definitely off our normal system. Yeah. So it's going to be... Oh, wait. We said we were going to put our um, headphones on. Oh, yeah. We're going to record Let's with headphones on. Let's do it. We <laughs> never have headphones, headphones on. on. Just to shake things up a little. Oh, my God. Whose tiny head wore these okay. last time? This is almost like now we're we're in our own separate um like isolation tanks. Yeah. Away from the podcast. Well, hang on, we have to hear each other. Oh, 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 hi. Yeah. Oh, they got turned on, Steven. That's exciting. So we're wearing headphones. No, this isn't very exciting at home for you listeners. Kick mine up just a hint. Which one's yours? The first one you touched? This one? No. no that's mine. Ow. You're where your right hand is. That one? Get away from that area. That Go one? Go to the other that side. One. Yeah. Okay. Can, that one? Yeah. Oh, it's perfect for you because you can't hear anything. Right. Oh, my God. You look like such a podcaster right now with your headphones on. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've always wanted to pet kiss. <laughs> um, oh, this is... Now we're going to be able to hear all the intimate details of our voices. Oh, shit. And all the times we clonk on the fucking table on accident. <laughs> and all the time my big fake teeth get in the way of me talking, <laughs> which is often these days. It's like our third um, podcast host or your teeth. That's right. <laughs> and they are, they will be heard. They will not be silenced Ooh, in my mouth. I'm going to hear myself drinking this can of wine. Yes. I love it. How come I didn't get any can, like my favorite murder canned wine from the Santa Barbara weekend? I didn't get one. I wanted to save a can. Um, you just drank it all too fast and crushed it against your head. That must have been it. And I just don't remember that. Because you remember that weekend. It was show off time the entire time. <laughs> I kept saying that to, to uh, Georgia the entire weekend because uh, as I described to somebody yesterday, I said it was a really fun weekend, but it was one of those things where every time we were in the room, we were in the center of the room yeah. and there was a ring of people standing around us just staring. Like, <laughs> like talking. Us. Yes. You guys are the And I, of course, I can't resist that. That's, That's my nightmare. W- it's Well, it's my, it's my <laughs> Thank God. biggest dream since age five. So I had to keep pulling myself back from really getting into it. Now do it. I need it. It's perfect for me. It's my favorite. I need someone else to talk because I otherwise will just like remember when we were on stage with IO and I was like, so tell us about your hat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not good at shit like tell that. Tell us about your hat. Tell us about your hat. Yeah, I feel like I have been um the 
it's showing off is really my passion and there's nothing you know like this is the only thing that actually satisfies it is yeah having a podcast makes you a, a non-stop 24 7 show off. that's why you have two yeah i can't get enough <laughs> attention speaking of attention and the uk and ireland tour <laughs> there are tickets left to, in the only the only show we haven't sold out <gasps> dublin Guys, come on. Guys. It's the 25th. You said you liked us. We we added a second show for y'all. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. I mean, I bet it's par- almost sold out. Right? Yeah, it's almost sold out. There's a handful of tickets That's left. That's right. We'll just hand them out on, on the street if we don't sell them all. In handfuls. That's right. Uh, to people who... there's gonna There would be nothing worse mm-hmm. than forcing Irish people to go to a show they don't want to go to. That's an audience you don't want. Just based on my American Irish experience, yeah. they're already pretty judged. Judgmental well, of things they enjoy. You know what the most fun thing though about touring is is when like we when we go to like a pub the night before, we go like to a car rental the night before, and the person working there is like, "Oh my god, I'm such a big fan!" And we we get to go. Do you want to go to the show? Yeah, give them tickets. Yeah, so we can do it now for that night in Dublin. Okay, great. Then let's. And you know what? Cancel that announcement. Yeah, there's no more tickets. You left. don't get to go. We're going to be driving up and down the countryside, <laughs> giving away tickets, stopping at pubs, whoever we see. Yeah. Farmers pulling hay in carts, old-fashioned style. <laughs> that happened still? <laughs> That's the first time I ever visited Ireland. We landed, we landed, of course, in Dublin, but then we drove west to Doolin, I think, was the first city we went to. And we got there. Um, we were walking up the street to our hotel, and on the passing us was an wow. old guy driving a cart that a cow was pulling with a bunch of hay in the back and he yelled top of the morning to you oh but my I, god i think it was sarcasm though i think he was like <laughs> clearly you're a bunch of americans yeah. here's the experience you want to be having it's like when you drive past a truck driver and you're like honk the horn yes, exactly. he's like all right the irish version of that but it was his idea which is like another like the built-in sarcasm yeah. of that culture where it's just like top of the morning to you and he was probably from scotland and the whole accent was fake but you know that's that's what they're like speaking of um selling our souls uh <laughs> there's gonna be new holiday merch <laughs> yes in the merch store great transition thank you beautiful seamless segue thank you and now we're boom into the place where you love to be that's right merch my merch. favorite thing we have some really fucking cool merch coming up yes that, like it's so exciting we're so anal about what we allow like to be merch is that uh, right yes it's important to it's, us that's what i meant it's Clear. really important to us we won't just throw anything up we have notes we have this we want this we have these bright ideas of like let's try this yes so everything that's going in on the 25th of november is like all stuff that we are really into and excited about including some stuff from murderino makers that's so exciting that yeah. we get to support and work with them yeah okay that's all i'm done oh okay that was <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to hear my. The problem with these headphones, I can hear myself talk. Yeah, is um, it going to impede? Are you going to get too self conscious? I might. Maybe for my story, I'll take them off again over here. I'm couldn't love it more. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I've never seen. I've never experienced how great my fucking voice is. Why do I sit in my house crying all the time? I don't. I don't. This was. This is a. Uh, so we're always talking about corners 
there are different corners, correction corners or whatever. Mm-hmm. We pretty much just this on this podcast, George and I just kind of say the things that we think to say every week. There's not a ton of planning. There's mm-hmm. definitely no pre-writing except for the stories we're trying to get said. Not a lot of follow through. Not follow through. Not all the you, we don't have to explain it to yeah. you. You know, if you've been we're here for follow even a little while. With that explanation for right. you. Look, you know, you're listen. on your own. This is more of a starter information starter kit right now you go look stuff up yeah but somebody sent in so we've been calling things corners this whole time for three years just out of laziness but someone wrote in a great suggestion it was uh, her name's Brittany Aaron it was on uh, Twitter Mm -hmm. and she wrote to us she wrote to me and the podcast I feel like your new segment quote I need to tell you something should be announced by drunk Karen so I guess last <laughs> week I said that the new segment was going to be called I need to tell you something because it was so general yeah. that I was just telling you random shit okay do it do so it. Then, yeah. I need to tell you something <laughs> oh no What's, yeah. what does drunk Karen need to tell you it's not good no it's about a podcast <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you got your period on the back of your pants. <laughs> I need to tell you something. Yeah, it's, it's like always, shameful. It's always bad news when it's coming from yeah. drunk Karen. I need to tell you something. Can I have twenty dollars? <laughs> I need it. I need to tell you something. We have to go to Jack in the Box. <laughs> okay. Karen, drunk Karen's always almost asleep. That's the other thing I realize about her. She's so drunk that she's right on the verge of just passing out. It's almost night night. So then anyway, look for that future segment that's never going to happen. I need to tell you something hosted okay. by drunk Karen. And then let's both collectively forget, forget it. it. <laughs> Set it and forget it. That's right. This idea is the dump cakes of ideas. <laughs> it's, the, it's the microwaving for one cookbook. <laughs> the idea. Of ideas. It's the spoon. What's that? It's a spatula spoon. (laughs) (laughs) So you can flip it and scoop. You can scoop and you can also, you know, um, like stir. You know, spatulas are like the things. You don't fucking mansplain (laughs) a spatula to me, Georgia. (laughs) I won't. Thank you. Where does how does a spoon happen, though, since spatulas by definition are kind of flat? It's lightly curved. Into a spoon. Okay. Got it? So you're not going to eat cereal with this, but you no. can get stuff out if you need to. In a pinch, you could eat cereal with it. It oh. would kind of be more depressing than just eating cereal with like a wooden spoon. Which I think is... So I have a spoon that's bigger than all the other spoons, and yeah. I intentionally use that to eat cereal. Sure. You have to cram as much in your fucking mouth as possible. Yes. it's I have the... And it's to my detriment, but I definitely have the eating attitude. If I'm going to do it, I might as well fucking go for Good it. For you. That's what I'm... That's my plan for the two two weeks we are in the UK and Ireland. It's happening. We had a little discussion before we started recording about how exciting it is that we get to have tea yeah. in in the UK and Ireland. We're so excited about it and all the little things that in in my I will just make it personal. Okay. In my childhood and growing up, candy was not it was not it was frowned upon. It was it was I always had to sneak it mm-hmm. and I wanted it all the time. Sure. I thought about it all the time. Candy and cookies and sweets. Yeah. It, it culturally, in especially in London, I will say, or England, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> London, England, in the whole country, 
they take an intentional break at three o'clock every day and eat candy together. And I love that they call it cakes. There's like cakes mm-hmm. and like little things and crumpets and they're really into Twix. Yeah. Really into Twix. All right. It's gonna, it's happening so hard when we're there. We just get, we're gonna get supported for our bad habits. Do you know what else we're doing that I'm really excited about? What? Is we're going to a football match. Oh, yes. And we have to sit in like a, an area for people who like don't usually go because it's so rowdy yes. and like crazy. I love it. It's going to be the best. I'm going to be the one sober person in that entire stadium. <laughs> you are. I'm going to be the only beer-free human you being are. there. And Vince and I are going to like, we got to tell you something. You guys, <laughs> that would be, that would actually be a good penance for me to pay, is I have to handle <laughs> drunk Vince and drunk Georgia and get us out of a football stadium without getting punched in the face. Have you seen drunk Georgia? She's fun. She is fun. Right? She And she's exactly like regular Georgia. It just gets a little bit like gig as it goes and louder louder gigglier and a little more like slappy a little meaner yeah i like it or like talking shit on people not like yes. to you but almost yes exactly to it's to someone else like almost in the bonding way yeah but in the way where it becomes almost out of like you're you clearly don't mean it because you're just saying whatever <laughs> comes into your head yeah it's really enjoyable thank you yeah i'm honored and a lot of arm grabbing which i really oh, enjoy oh yeah that's me yeah there's a lot of t- touching d- when i'm drunk it's fun okay good yeah remember um, in hawaii when we were in the bed with lizzie <laughs> And you're like, it was no, fucking I don't remember. We, we Vince ordered us room service. Right. And we had the weirdest array yeah, of room service food. Whatever. And we were watching a movie. And what, what whatever was happening, we were laughing so hard. And you just kept hitting me on the arm. Oh, like, and then eventually you got aware of it. And we're like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, I like it. Like hitting you on the arm. Like nudging you. Yeah. And it was like, I, I would make a joke and then you would slap my oh, arm. Yeah. And then you got self-conscious about it. I'm like, no, no, this is what I, this is what I'm looking for. <laughs> This is what I like. Speaking of what you like, (laughs) I'm going to tell you something I like. You feel beholden to do uh, transitions like that? We got to pretend to be professional. No, we don't. That's just it. We never have. (laughs) We simply don't. I just have a recommendation Mm -hmm. that Karen, I actually, I can't believe I'm recommending this to you because this is so you. Okay. That this is a a travesty. There's a show called Back to Life. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. Um, it's from the BBC. It's a British drama and comedy series about this woman in her th- like later 30s who returns home after 18 years in prison for a thing that you like slowly. There's like six episodes. Wait a second. I've seen the trailer for this. Yeah. Like a redheaded. Yes. Gal. It looks amazing. It's on Showtime. Uh, we watched we binge watched it in one night. I, wow. You have to watch it. It's, I will. She, I mean, listen, I'll just tell you, she, she's back from prison for murder. So yes. it's right up our alley. <laughs> but then like slowly it starts to tell you what really happened and you find out all these crazy things and the acting is great. And it's just like in the seaside town of Kent. And it's just like, yes, what news from Kent? Yeah. Yes. It's great. You'll, you'll love it. Back to life. You should download it for the plane, actually. Ooh, okay. Cause it's so Brit. It's such a British comedy, but it's depressing. Great. Thing. Great. Okay. That sounds like our combo, like right on yeah. the nose. And here, here will be my, uh, sister recommendation to that one. Okay. Is on stars, the series Dublin, Dublin murders. I wrote that began. down. Yeah. And, uh, it's great. You give the Irish some time on screen. I'll be there for it, supporting them, do whatever <laughs> they want to do. Although I have to say the, the, 
main investigator, um, her Irish accent is so strong and foreign sounding to mm-hmm. me that it's bewildering. And she kind of, everything is a little bit of slide from here to there. And everything goes a little bit like this and that. And it's all, it's all a little out over the side of her mouth. And I can't fucking understand what she's saying. And I love it. And it's so exciting. But the guy in it uh-huh. is one hot piece. He's it's a snack. Crazy. That's what the kids say. He's a snack. Is he a snack? I don't know. Is he? Is he a uh, a bop? <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> What's that? Like over the summer, people would call good songs. It's a real bop. And oh, I was like, yeah. What's happening? We don't have to make up new words every three months. <laughs> it's not required. It's not. Um, but this guy is definitely a bop snack for sure. <laughs> is there something about? He's a real snacky bop. He's a, he is. He, you want to bite right into that song? There's something. He is like um. It's the beauty of men who have plain faces. No, I'm not following you. You got to get behind me right now. Okay. Um, I'm standing behind you. There's something about, maybe it's just that all his shirts are super tight and he's the lanky type. Okay. It's just, I do love him. I'm going to check it out. I love a guy-girl combo in, it reminds me of The Killing. Remember that old one? Totally. It's that feel where it's like she's all business and he's kind of like got his eye on her. And And he's like a little ex-methy, like maybe undercover. No? No, this guy, but that you're right for The Killing. This guy, it's different where he's, he's actually much more buttoned down, which is even more exciting. Yeah, button him up. Button it. You love, I love a guy with like a tailored shirt that can't help himself because he likes the girl that he's working with. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's, I'm all about that story. That's right. Come what on. Love ensues. It's be, you know, it's because it's about respect. <laughs> that's what it's about. Jordan. It's about smart women getting some fucking love for, not for the shape Can of their ass, but for that's the right. diligence the of shape. them following up on DNA tests. the brains. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, 
Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Am I first this week? Yes, you are. Okay. All right. So we're done with that section. Are we? No. <laughs> no, yeah, we are. Oh, I thought it was a good seg. Um, I, yeah, yeah, is, we did. I'm segmented. No, no, you were, you were right on. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. Let's do it. I'm going to start again with a paragraph before I say it. Okay. This is my new thing. I love it. Okay. Hold on. I have to burp. Whoa. <laughs> that that reached out and tickled my earlobe. Stephen, will you just <laughs> mute that? But leave it in. But mute my burp. It was fucking baritone. Dude. It went all the way down to the basement. I'm pretty good at it. My mom <laughs> says I, I rattle the walls. <laughs> You're like an opera singer of belching. That's like the most proud of my mom is has ever been of me is my belching. For real? Like she brings it up all the time. <laughs> She's like so like, she. I think she digs it. Well, Georgia can belch quite oh, you loudly. you hear her. She's Barney from The Simpsons. <laughs> she said, <laughs> and I just proved it. Okay. Oh, uh, love it. She's still mad at me about the book. Oh, okay. That's okay. Well, I'm still mad at her about a couple things, so <laughs> fair's fair. Where there's always tension somewhere. Um, okay. So I'm going to start with this. Okay. Here we go. Okay. On the morning of August 23rd, 1973, okay, mm-hmm. an, a newly escaped convict in Sweden's capital city of Stockholm entered a busy bank in the upscale <gasps> normal store square. I know what you're about to do. Yeah, it is. Yes, girl. I know what this Don't is. Don't say it. Okay. Jan Eric Olsen walked into the bank wearing toy store glasses and a thick brown wig to conceal his identity and from underneath his coat pulls a loaded submachine gun and fires at the ceiling. Then in an Eng- in English with an American accent, even nope. though he's Swedish, sure. yells, the party has just begun. <laughs> <laughs> and so begins the origin story of Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I, I would, can't believe we haven't done this I before. I know. And I would love to thank my friend Carrie Selen better for me badgering her at a bar saying, just give me an idea. I don't know what to do next week. <laughs> and she was like, what about this? What about that? And then what about Stockholm Syndrome? How did we not do this when we were in Stockholm? I don't know because it's not a murder. I think oh, that right, it's only right. recently that we're doing stuff that's not murder. Yes, true. Yeah. True. Okay. We wanted to be more on her. Good job, Carrie. Nice one. 
Um, so I got a bunch of so, and also I had just maybe like a few months ago listened to an episode of Criminal about where they interview the one of the robbers. Yes, and it's so of course well done. And then they got a bunch of info from a podcast called Memory Motel where they interview one of the um, hostages. Yeah, so I listened to both of those and got a most of the info from there and then from the smithsonian.com and history.com got the rest of the info can i just do a quick sidebar please phoebe judge on halloween tweeted uh, what do you do when a trick-or-treater comes to your door smoking a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> and i retweeted it but it made me laugh so hard i don't understand I she doesn't understand how funny she no. is or how I think how like awesome how cool she is. I think she is. She's the coolest. Also, she's really young. Is I she? thought she was like older than me because of how much she handles she shit on that podcast. Professional. She's so professional, yeah. and she's like I think she's in her thirties. Fuck, I know. God bless her. Anyway, just to, cause this is, if it's a, there's a criminal, um, element, source element that I just want to give props Good. to. No, she's the best. I'm Phoebe Judge. I'm Phoebe Judge. And this is criminal. Is criminal. But this isn't, this is my favorite murder. That's right. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> we're not trying to steal her shit a little bit. We're not plagiarizing her, the name of her podcast. <laughs> Okay. What Jan Eric didn't know when he fucking the party just began um, was that a silent alarm had been triggered. And so when a policeman responded, Jan Eric shoots at, at him and hits him in the hand. Oh. So I don't know if this was just supposed to be a robbery that turned into a hostage situation because this was triggered or if that's what his plan was to begin with. So he shoots and the at the policeman and hits him in the hand. So then he freaks out and takes three female bank employees hostage while letting everyone else leave. So he's let's talk about him. Okay. He's a 32-year-old career criminal and he had been a safe cracker and was serving, which is like such a necessary job, right? Yes. There's there's only handfuls of them out there and you gotta think. They have to be good at it. That's right. And he was serving a three-year sentence in prison for grand larceny. He had achieved like a s little bit of fame uh, when, when an elderly couple had caught him robbing their house, at which point the elderly man had collapsed and the man's wife uh, was like, oh my God, grab his heart medicine. It's in the kitchen. And he did it. <laughs> And then he continued ransacking their house. Oh. So he was like known as like the bumbling. I, I, I don't know what he was known as, but like that got him some notoriety. He was the criminal with the heart of gold, maybe. Yeah. Who still then got caught. Yeah. You know, right. Maybe he wasn't that good at it. He was just kind of making his way. Right. It sounds like that. Okay. So he was in prison, but he was on furlough that day. I don't you know, at the shops and such when he uh, took the fuck off and went out to rob a bank. Okay. So in Sweden, you go to jail, but you can also leave jail and do things you'd like to do yeah. with your life. I think that means like you're on your way to being let go, like let out soon. Got so it. Like reintroducing you into society. It's kind of shit. a parole feel. Yeah. Gotcha. But he was like, I'm going to ruin this <laughs> and fucking rob a bank. I have a passion for ruining things. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at it. Um, so once the hostages are secured, Jan Eric announces his demands for the release of the hostages. He wants three million Swedish kroner. Mm -hmm. Kroner. Me too. <laughs> Which uh, is about $700,000. Uh, a couple of guns and bulletproof vests and a getaway car. Mm. But... Do you know the story? Yes, but I mean, it's all, it's uh, it's in the files with 18,000 right. other stories. Okay. So. 
well, you're not the only one listening. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen's listening too. (laughs) Okay. And the other thing he insisted that he wanted was his old jailhouse buddy, Clark Olfson, to get out of the jail and help him in the situation. (laughs) So he's like, he's calling in support. Yeah. Okay. From a guy in another buddy of his in jail. (laughs) So Clark Olfson, he's 26 years old. He's definitely a uh, bop snack. Okay. For sure. Great. He's serving time uh, for armed robbery and acting as an accessory in a 1966 robbery that had gone wrong and a police officer had been killed. Okay. Yeah. So he's kind of a celebrity bank robber. And while he and Jan Eric, who um, who Clark describes as a, quote, useful idiot. Wow. <laughs> yeah. When they were in prison, Jan would beg Clark to tell him all the wild stories of bank robbery. It was like almost like, you know, storytelling time. Sure. And in his eyes, Clark was the best that there is at at robbing banks. So knowing he was in a bad situation and needed help, he demanded that Clark join him. Um, Clark had been in solitary confinement. So, of course, he was like, fuck, yeah. Get me over to that bank. Let's fucking do this. Where there are lights and sounds and human beings. Exactly. Jesus. So Clark is brought into the bank and he goes inside to join Eon. At this point, the unfolding bank robbery and hostage situation is fucking huge news all over like peaceful Sweden, right? Sure. It's the first televised crime in Sweden and it's being broadcast all over the country. The public is like obsessed with this crime and they fled the police stations uh, with suggestions for ending the standoff. Some of those were soaping the, the, gr- the floor of the bank so the criminals would slip and be easy to capture. <laughs> that happened to me in the bathroom the other day. <laughs> Getting out of the shower and walking no, over to... You yeah, you slipped? I had a weird slip where as I was falling down, I was like, this is very dangerous in this bathroom. It is. And I just kind of hit my knee. It wasn't that big of a deal. But um, I've now, I now have bathroom slippers so that when I get out of the shower, I immediately oh, have rubber-soled shoes we on. We don't need to get you life alert? Uh, not yet, <laughs> but that's, I think next year we'll do it. Okay. Oy vey. That's so scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, be careful. Put towels down. Don't be afraid of bath mats. I'm a, I'm a strict slipper person. Yeah. My feet don't hit the ground. Yeah. And I, I bet it saved me from some slip and fall. I bet it has. So another suggestion was that they send a swarm of angry bees into <laughs> the bank to sting everyone into submission. And then, of course, they'd run out being like, ah, you know, and yeah. hi- hijinks. No, it's the perfect solution, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, or drunk Karen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so many bees. <laughs> and me- Jack in the box. <laughs> Tacos. Meanwhile, inside the bank, the terrified hostages are um, are taken inside a cramped bank vault, which is like, don't go in there. Yeah. Uh, the hostages are tied up. But when Clark finally shows up from prison, he takes command of the situation. He's like, we're all going to be OK. Everyone calm down. He says it'll all be fine. And they're like, oh, he's our savior. Yeah. The three female hostages are Kristen and Mark. She's 23 years old. Uh, Brigitte Lundblad. I don't know her age. And Elizabeth Olgren, uh, who's 21. And they're all bank employees. So they're all young women. Kristen later describes Clark as, quote, a mix between Che Guevara and Jesus. Hey. Hey. What's up? <laughs> yeah. How you doing? What is going on? Are you a snack? Do you want a glass of wine? <laughs> I'm feeling it with you. Um, and Kristen and Clark become close because he's 26. Like, and she's yes. 20. 
three. Also, they're in a situation that is the most heightened. Yes. Like, that's how people fall in love. Yeah, totally. Whether it's at your personal bank robbery or someone else's bank robbery. The problem is one of them has a gun to you. True. But isn't Clark the one that came in? That yes. Got, he's been called in. But he's now part of this. Did he get called in from jail and then they gave him a gun? No, he got... I, I don't know. No. I no. Can, I can't be. I bet, I bet uh, Jan had other guns and gave it to him. Jan's like, can you please take this off my hands? Take I this. don't want to hold this gun anymore. And so I think that... I think Clark just took over the role that we're robbing this bank. We have hostages. And I bet you what he brought into that situation is that feeling, like you said, everything's going to be okay or whatever, where it's not some lunatic with wide eyes yeah. and, and shaky hands. It's someone that's like, look, we just want the money. We're yeah. trying to do this. No one's going to get like, killed. Or he's like, Jan is in charge. I'm doing what he does, but making sure that no one gets hurt. Yes. And that, I'm sure, was great, a great feeling for those people who are only freaked out. And he's like, Che Guevara and Jesus. So, yeah, I a, mean, you know, I'm, I'm just picturing a V... Whatever the shirt he had on, there was a V-neck element to it. It was the 70s, so it was unbuttoned to the navel. And there was just all kind of hair. <laughs> Everyone was a bear in the 70s. <laughs> so Clark orders Jan to loosen the hostages' ropes to make them more comfortable. And this is when the tides turn. And instead of being afraid of their captor, uh, captors, the hostages appreciate being treated with respect, which they didn't feel that the cops were giving them at that moment. They thought that the cops would fucking blow down the doors and kill everyone. Oh, uh, yeah. And they see Clark as their saving grace. Yeah. And Clark is the one who's interviewed in the criminal episode, and he's just fucking, oh, yeah. he's, he's great. charming. He's Remember great. That? He's kind of a dick, though, he's but he's great. A cocky, charming dick. Well, he's the kind of guy that would rob banks. Yeah. He'd be like, let's do it. Yeah. I can handle it. Totally. So Clark also does a once around the bank and finds an employee hiding in the closet, which is like, Wah, wah. Yeah. His name's Sven uh, Safstrom. He's collected and brought with everyone else, making him the fourth hostage. Okay. So the hostages are allowed to call their families to let them know they're okay. And by the second day, the hostages were on a first name basis with their captors. And they started to feel the police more than their abductors. When the police commissioner was allowed inside to inspect the hostages' health, he noticed that the captives um, appeared to be hostile with him, but not, uh, but they were relaxed and jovial with their captors. Right. The police chief told the press that he doubted the gunmen would harm the hostages because they had developed a, quote, rather relaxed relationship, <laughs> which, of course, the, then the public was like, That's, this is amazing. What the fuck is going what on? What are they doing in there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They even had a few co phone calls with the prime minister, Olaf Plom, and they let Kristen talk to him. <laughs> you mean that snowman from Frozen? <laughs> Plame? Olaf Plame? <laughs> How you doing? I, I guess not good. <laughs> I really enjoyed that joke. I've never seen it. It's I'm sorry. sorry. It's, no, no, it's it's, it's a snowman's fault. name. The snowman's name is Olaf, right, Stephen? Okay, that's it. So then I like the imagine that a snowman has a last name and then eventually becomes the prime minister of Sweden. Everything about that. So sorry. Again, show off time. No, I was embarrassed because I haven't seen it. So I was like, no, I get that joke, but I didn't get that joke. At all. It's pretty high level. I have nephews, not nieces. They don't want to watch Frozen. Yeah, that's right. You, you know. have a, you have a whole other, I should have made a Cars Minecraft. Joke. <laughs> Minecraft. Minecraft. Um, so they let Kristen, one of the, the, 
23-year-old hostage talk to him and she begs the prime minister to let her leave with the robbers in the car. She's like, she says, I fully trust Clark and the robber. I am not desperate. They haven't done anything to us. On the contrary, they have been very nice. But what I'm scared of is that the police will attack and cause us to die. Yeah. Um, So even when threatened with physical harm, the hostages still were compassionate towards their abductors. So, um, so Olson suggested shooting the, um, Sven in the leg to shake up the police because it had been, it's like, this went on six fucking days. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and so like at one point they're like, let's shoot him in the leg to show him we mean business. And, um, and Sven said that he thought it was kind of them that they would shoot him just in the leg and not in <laughs> his body. It is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So Elizabeth Olgren complained of claustrophobia. This part is a little weird for me. Okay. He, they tied a rope around her neck because they were in the bank vault and let her walk outside the bank vault and just hang out, which is like a little degrading, mm-hmm. but she was really grateful of it. That's like the one hint of these two are the, like the hints of Stockholm syndrome m- making sense to me. Yes, that there's that they definitely had a sway over these people yeah. and that they were doing things that maybe weren't the coolest. Right. But that the people were just grateful that they were having a not the worst. I'm sure that that, that the shape of all this was this is a tr- going to be a traumatic experience. Yeah. Within it, it's not being a traumatic experience. Right. So it's like, oh, great. Or the little kindnesses in between that like make that assure you that everything's going to be OK, which is all you're fucking grasping for is that something's going to be OK. Yeah. And so when people come along and give you those assurances, then you're kind of like, well, now I love you because other than this, I'm just I'm blind. I'm in the dark entirely. And I think I might die. So whatever you say to me is going to start becoming very meaningful and make you look very powerful. Right. Totally. Um, That's how it is in Hollywood. (laughs) I relate entirely. (laughs) It's like being fucking held hostage. (laughs) Ultimately, the standoff lasts six days. That's fucking crazy. It's They're so long. in a vault. They close the door to the vault. They have no food and water, and they have to poop and stuff in the corner. For real? I think so. I'm making that up. But, I, <laughs> but they were locked in the vault, so they must have had to go to the bathroom in the corner. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is not criminal. There's no. <laughs> Here's your proof. Um, how is that? They're, they, I don't think so. No, I think so because I think uh, Clark says that uh, he appreciated them going through this disgusting, filthy event with him. And so I think they were shitting in a corner if they were shitting at all. I'd just be like, you know what? Here's the thing. Now I have, uh, I really have uh, claustrophobia around shit. <laughs> I could be out in an open field, but you six fucking let me days. walk away from this six area. Days. That's crazy. What? Maybe, maybe there's vault bathrooms. Maybe just one emergency vault bathroom. What if you like? What? Okay, you know how they have um, uh, safe deposit boxes. Yes, you <laughs> they, just go in there. <laughs> what if a lot of people got a nice surprise the next couple of years in your safety deposit boxes? <laughs> and you're saying, how much is this shit worth? <laughs> $15 million? <laughs> Guys, we can make all of Stop these it. jokes because it's the Stockholm Syndrome story, yeah. which inherently is about the violence not affecting people in the normal right. way. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. basically our story. It's our origin story. <laughs> we can put anything into it that we want. Okay. Um, blah, blah, blah. Six days. Convicts do no physical harm to the hostages. And on the night of... Except for the pooping thing. <laughs> right, which that's is very harmful. It, very harmful. August 28th, after more than 100 
130 hours, police, they start drilling holes in the vault, the yeah. cops were. Yeah. And then they finally put in tear gas, which is like such a dick move to the hostages, right? Right. But I mean, after, I think there's so much pressure. Yeah. If the whole country is watching, if not more people, yeah. and then it, where it's like, well, what are these cops going to do? And they're like, it's going to suck for them, but they're, it's, this isn't like, we're not killing them. When it came, yeah, when it came down to the end, they were just like, okay, either we drill holes and put tear gas in there yeah. or we go with the bees idea. I, which I still don't think is a terrible <laughs> idea. I'm still on board with drunk Be- Karen's idea. <laughs> but bees, um, there's a there's a drunk Karen in Sweden that called that in. She's like, <laughs> I can't do a Swedish accent. But um, the idea of... Uh, th- like they they had to they had to move it forward yes basically yeah ever, it was stalling and they knew I think the police at that time knew they couldn't do anything truly violent because right they couldn't they were being watched they were being watched and the whole thing became about police violence and you know Clark called the newspapers and everything and was letting them know that everything is fine in here and no one's being hurt just so that they couldn't spin the story and make him seem all violent and crazy amazing and shit. yeah amazing yeah so Jan and Clark quickly surrender and the police want the hostages to come out first. But the hostages are like, we fucking refuse. We know you're going to shoot them if they're last. So they're coming out with us. Wow. Which is like they're protecting their lives yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, in the doorway of the vault, the three women the three women kiss Olsen and Olsen goodbye and Sven shakes hands with them. They're captors for six fucking days. Yeah. And the police seize the gunmen and while that happens two of the hostages cry out, don't hurt them, they didn't harm us. While Kristen is wheeled away in a stretcher and there's photos of her sitting up in her stretcher like watching to make sure they're okay. She says, Clark, I will see you soon. Oh, she liked Clark. I think that and I think they ended up hooking up later. What? Yeah. Are you being serious? I swear to God, in The Criminal, he mentions, yeah, we, we were closer than friends. I swear. He's a real, he's a dog. He's a cat. He's, he's a real so-and-so. He's a real, that fella. <laughs> it later came out that during the standoff, he had soothed Kristen when she had a bad dream, and he gave her a bullet from his gun as a keepsake. No. Oh, I mean, it's just that. It's kind of hard. Because somebody... It's like they're looking out for you, and, and like Jesus. Like, oh, I'm scared. Like I'm also titillated. And what if Jesus liked you personally? That's yeah. big. Jesus was like a bad guy. No, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is not from That's, our. I'm thinking Bible. of Rambo. I'm thinking of Rambo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're but right. I think it is the. There is a manipulation, obviously, because it's not normal feelings and it's not a normal situation. Yeah. But I just keep thinking, like, after six days, you've hung out with people where they're like, look, I don't want to be a bank robber. I actually used to have a dream yeah. of becoming a great wh- what? whatever thing Swedish Beekeeper. people like. <laughs> and it's like, and then my dreams were deferred. Well, it's like they have enough time to get the yeah. to get the stories straight. So it's like you can empathize with why they do it. And here's what they the other do. thing, because the um, vault door was locked, they were also in the dark except for the holes that were drilled into the into it wow so like that's they just went through some shit yeah they went through some shit that really that kind of turns that spins it as well and the smell okay it was like a stinky podcast where they all became best friends (laughs) we know what that's like let's start it um both the public and police were fucking totally perplexed by the hostages 
seemingly irrational attachment to their captors. The police be- even began to investigate whether Kristen was part of the robbery plot to begin with. Oh. They were like, this is so impossible. She must be fucking part of this. Yeah. The captives were confused too. They The following day, uh, one of the one of the hostages asked a psychiatrist, is there something wrong with me? Why don't I hate them? Aww. Like they were confused too. Right. Psychiatrists were like, let's psychoanalyze this motherfucker <laughs> and compared the behavior to the wartime shell shock exhibited by soldiers you know, and explain that the hostages had become emotionally indebted to their abductors and not the police for being spared death. Yeah. Right? Makes sense. Swedish psychiatrist Niels Bergerot later coined the term Stockholm Syndrome to describe the so-called captor bonding, which became part of the popular lexicon in 1974 when it was used as a defense for um, the kidnapped newspaper heiress Patty Hearst, who assisted the radical Symbionese Liberation Army captors in a series of bank robberies. Her fucking... that It didn't work, though, her defense. And I'm still horrified by this, that she was sentenced to 35 years in prison mm-hmm. and later it was later reduced to seven years. Like... Sh- that's so crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I still think it's a miscarriage of justice. The whole story is so beyond. It's yeah. like only in the 70s could that yeah. have happened because it was it was so. And, you know, it was in San Francisco. Right. So there, it, it's yeah, it's just above and beyond everything. And the, all those like she is so gorgeous. The yeah. pictures of her. The whole thing is like oh, a weird movie it plot. Is. But in real life. It's bonkers. The hostages refuse. So the hostages wouldn't testify against the bank robbers. Yeah. Um, and Kirsten even lied on the stand saying that Clark had never held a gun during the six day standoff. Oh, wow. She fucking lied. She was going. She was going down for her man. Yeah. She said she didn't want him to be punished. In fact, she said she would have given him a medal if it were up to her. I mean, charm goes a long way. I don't think they have medals for that, though. No, I don't. <laughs> for the lack of extreme violence. Yeah. For not, number one, for not murdering. Yeah. But, but, but in that scenario, you are, you work at a bank, you kind of fear this all the time, yeah. and you've already run through what could happen and how bad it could be. So the thing is happening that you fear, but... It's with people that are like, we don't want to hurt you. Yeah. We just want this money. But there's still that little bit of like chance that, that they could yes. and that things could go wrong and you could still be killed. And yeah. like, it's so terrifying. Yeah. And then you're shitting in a corner. Oh, um, that part. Yeah. Jan was sentenced to 10 years in prison for the robbery and Clark didn't go to prison at all for his crime because he was like, you guys made me go yeah, do yeah. this. He can't be. No. He was pulled into it. Um, but he's been back in prison many times since then. <laughs> No shit. Yeah. Um, and so even, even after they returned to prison, the hostages made jailhouse visits to their former captors. Wow. I know. And, um, Jan was released in 1980 and once freed, he married one of the many women who sent him admiring letters while incarcerated. Oh, nice. And they like had a kid together. They went fucking straight. They, they own like a mechanics place or something. Wow. And had like a normal life. So he has a normal life because of, being involved in that maybe well because she sent the letter like yeah. it's that was the inciting incident you gotta hope that's what the movie plot's gotta be <laughs> yeah and since the robbery Jan has not been convicted of another any other crimes great and has openly apologized for the hostage uh, situation awesome yeah and that's the story of the fucking Stockholm Syndrome. God, I feel like that might be the best case scenario any true crime story you could talk through. Yes. I hope yours isn't horrible. It is the worst. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> Ugh. Hold on. Let's be. 
If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Are we back? I'm ready to concentrate on you. Uh, These are fun. I know. I love them. I think they're really good. It was a good idea. George and I just took a break in between, just a quick bathroom break. Yeah. And um, I have to say, first of all, we have to make a rule when we go to the bathroom during taping. Yeah. uh, I'm not allowed to use the tweezers in the bathroom. No. It's for before (laughs) and after only. No plucking allowed. I just did did a serious amount of plucking in the bathroom. You were gone for a while. I couldn't stop. (laughs) But here's the thing. As I did it, it makes me incredibly proud and grateful because we run our own company now where we ask Danielle, who runs our network, can you please get us a pair of tweezers for this bathroom? Because every time I go in there, there's hairs there where I'm like, why is no one telling me about these? If the lighting is going to be like this, fine, but we are going to need a solution for it. Yeah, we need to be able to not feel like victims of our own faces. Yeah, And And we work amongst and around people and we've we've gotten this crew with us that don't mind hearing about what a great plucking session we just had. (laughs) and Or maybe they just don't want to get fired. I mean, and hired for I less. think Stephen would be expressing his true feelings if he didn't feel so threatened. Yeah. Stephen? No, I was going to say, I have a little deodorant in the bathroom. Oh, like, okay. I was trimming my mustache hairs a little bit Ew. today. He gets it. <laughs> he, lives, he lives here now. Oh, Stephen, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a cot in the back room. <laughs> uh, okay. That was just like a, that was like a personal hygiene break that no one wanted. Corner. <clears throat> okay. We're prepping to uh, go on this big trip mm-hmm. and so um, and we just recorded an episode. So this episode definitely snuck up on me. So when I was looking for a story, I first tried to think, what haven't I done that I really want to do? Didn't think of Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, me so, neither. So mad at myself. Um, so what I did was I Googled uh, the phrase disappeared from the forest <gasps> to see what would come up. That's brilliant. And which is a good way to do it because yeah. the first thing that came up was um, this amazing article from 2008 from the LA Weekly okay. that was written by a writer named Christine Pelisek. 
was the guess is how you pronounce her name. <laughs> and that from that was the story that basically gave me this story, that article oh, from the LA so Weekly smart. from 11 years ago. And then the supporting articles were found on Murderpedia. And basically, we, we've talked a ton about how LA in the 70s, there were all these freeway murderers. Mm-hmm. There were so many serial killers in the Southland in the 70s that there were actually subsets and types of serial killers yeah. that you could be in freeway. Killers were one of them. Right. And this, this is a, this, so this hits on a bunch of my things, which is the disappeared from the forest thing, the freeway killer thing. And then, you know, the thing I always talk about where because of the way the news cycle is, because of the way the country is right now yeah. and the politics and everything that I always talk about, what are the things we're not hearing about? Because oh. everything's getting eaten up all day by basically the crumbling of democracy yeah. and reality. Yeah. And this is what happened in the 70s. Um, and that's why no one's ever heard of Mac Ray Edwards. The child serial killer, the the serial killer of children in Los Angeles before the 70s. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes. Okay. So I've never seen this guy's picture. I've never heard his name. No. I couldn't believe it. So it starts here. On March 23rd, 1957, eight-year-old Tommy Bowman is on a short hike with his father, his brother, his sister, his uncle, and his two young cousins, and they're going along the Arroyo Seco Trail in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Um, they're from Redondo Beach, the Bowman family, um, and they're spending the day in basically Altadena together. Essentially, I think the, the family from the beach wanted to go up into the mountains and hike around Isn't for the day. Isn't that crazy? Like, that would have been a trek for the day back then, and now it's like a... A fucking errand you run. Yes. And ba- and back then it was like, we're all going to get into the car yeah. without our cell phones and we're going to drive up into the mountains. <laughs> well, they left their around. cell phones at home. Yeah. <laughs> they, they left their cell phones in the future. <laughs> so, and this is the that classic story. Toward the ends of the hike, Tommy races. He basically says to his cousins, I'll, I'll race you to the car. Oh, no. And they're only a quarter of a mile away from the parking lot off the trail where they started. Yeah. Um, so they all watch Tommy race ahead and turn a corner <gasps> and they never see him again. What the fuck? Yes. So when the rest of the Bowmans get to the parking lot, they don't see him anywhere. They immediately call the police. And then a week long. How did that turn on? I didn't do anything. I think a ghost is here. The fan just fucking turned on by itself. That fan just turned on by itself. Steven? If you Bluetooth. If you invited a ghost. <laughs> Bluetooth. <laughs> okay. It's like an old timey fan. Alright. If that happens again, I'm if that happens I'm again. Leaving. So they immediately call the police and a week long search ensues. What the fuck? Um helicopters scour the eleven mile stretch of the Arroyo Seco from Mount Wilson in the San Gabriels to South Pasadena. Um they add more police officers, even um, Tommy's father's named Eldon and his co-workers from the company he works for start showing up to mm-hmm. help search for Tommy mm-hmm. um, all on foot, all in the area. Nothing's found. Tommy's basically disappeared without a trace. So there's no solid lead. So investigators, they're grasping for straws. And there's theories that Tommy may have been taken by a mountain lion, Mm. um, you know, or some like a wild animal theory. There was also uh, a theory that he had somehow wandered to the they were right near um, JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
which we got we got a tour of yeah. Stephen and I uh, and Scotty Landis. Um, that was kind of close by, so they were thinking he wandered into that parking lot and someone from JPL kidnapped him. That's they're, not a thing. They're yeah. just basically yeah, we're like those people are too smart, too together, yeah. and they're worried about space. Yeah. Um, but basically, they're trying to theorize of what the hell could have sure. happened. There's no, of course, evidence to support either of these theories, and nothing ever comes from that. So they kind of disappear. And then two different female eyewitnesses come forward to say that on the day of Tommy's disappearance, they had seen a little boy who looked like Tommy walking on the trail near Altadena Drive in Pasadena crying. And they told police that just behind the boy was a deeply tanned, mm. disheveled looking man in khakis and a plaid shirt. One woman says he's wearing a plaid shirt. Woman, one woman says he's wearing a white T-shirt. Mm. So the investigators start questioning rest. Registered sex offenders in the area. Well, it's Tommy's father's employer, the Northrop Corporation, mm-hmm. the one who people, his coworkers came to um, try to search. The Northrop Corporation puts up a cash reward for information leading to um, finding Tommy, but neither of those efforts brings any mm-hmm. new leads. A few days after Tommy's disappearance, an unidentified man. Uh, claims that he is holding Tommy Bowman and he demands a $2,500 ransom. Mm. So an exchange is set up at a gas station in Eagle Rock. Police, of course, are staking it out when the man arrives to get the cash. Police arrest him. They find out the whole thing's yeah. fake. Um, he's just trying to get money. Thing to do. It's such a strangely unstable and weird thing to yeah. do where people couldn't be in a worse place and you're like maybe I'll make money off yeah. it. It's so gross. By 1960 the case of Tommy Bowman's disappearance goes cold. Okay. So, now we skip to fall of 2005. No, what? Yeah. Nearly 50 years later, in the fall of 2005, an author named Weston DeWalt. So this is the guy who this article that I that I found yeah. is about. Okay. It's about this author. So he is a successful author, um, and he's doing research on the jogging trails near his house in Pasadena when someone tells him about Whoa. the long-ago mis- disappearance of Tommy Bowman. He's like, I just want to know how the river flows in my area. And, and you're like, like, well, guess what? Too bad you're friends with the murderino, clearly. <laughs> and someone's like, you want to know how the river flows? How about I tell you what shitty things are happening right behind your house? Oh, my God. So, but... Uh, Weston DeWalt is intrigued. He's an author. He's, you know, so he starts looking into this case. He states that when he starts doing this digging, he realizes, quote, he made a decision that if he could find some of Tommy's relatives alive, I would write a book about what it meant to a family to wonder for 50 years. Right. Heartbreaking. So he gets he's basically he's in. He's like completely hooked by the the fact that this boy basically just disappeared off the face of the earth and nobody had any answers for 50 years. So Weston DeWalt makes contact with Tommy Bowman's father, Eldon, and Eldon actually invites him over to his house in Simi Valley, where Mm -hmm. he now lives. Mm -hmm. And when he when Weston gets there, Eldon has laid out all the investigative materials he's kept about his son's case for the past 50 years on the dining room table. So there's there's letters and there's photographs and there's all the newspaper clippings oh. and basically everything that Weston might want to know. And after a lengthy, lengthy discussion, Eldon agrees to let Weston DeWalt petition the L.A. County Sheriff's Department to reopen the case. Wow. Um, so basically, 
uh, DeWalt goes and he starts meeting with LAPD to talk about this and how um, this case needs to be reopened. And over time, he becomes friends with the cold case detective uh, Vivian Flores, um, who had been working this case since that time. And um, she helps him sift through all the case file evidence and all the basically the available evidence Mm -hmm. and there when he's looking through it um, Weston finds an eyewitness sketch of the tanned disheveled man that was seen walking behind Tommy by those two um, eyewitnesses Uh and immediately Weston recognizes the face in this sketch as being very similar to a photo he had seen while researching child abductions from the photo was from 1970 and it was of a man being led into a courtroom in handcuffs and that man was 51 year old heavy equipment at least at the time of the picture was Uh taken 51 year old heavy equipment operator named mac edwards oh my god chills right so he sees it and is like he's here and then in this he's he's being arrested for um child abduction so who is this guy could it be the same guy we'll talk a little bit about Mac Edwards. Um, he moved, he was an Arkansas native that moved to Silmar, California, um, in the late forties. Uh, he had just been married in Arkansas. So he's a newlywed. He had been a combat engineer in World War II. Um, he, uh, he and his wife in Silmar adopt two kids. He joins the Union of Operating Engineers and gets a job building and repairing LA's freeways. Um, he's basically just a heavy equipment operator. Mm-hmm. And all, this is the time where they just start building all these freeways all around LA. Yeah. And so that's what he basically works on. He uh, operates the heavy machinery that Caltrans uses <gasps> to build all these freeways and to, like, to grade, clear the land. I know where this is going. Yeah. You do okay so he is described as having a quote generally dorky demeanor Hmm. so he wears glasses he doesn't drink he doesn't swear um he's very friendly all the neighbors like him he actually owns horses that he lets the neighborhood kids ride he's also known for taking the neighborhood kids camping oh i bet he fucking is yeah so he's very well liked in the community Uh. because he's that great guy that's so nice oh 1,000 red flags. And loves children. Get away. Creep. All those sentiments go away on March 5th, 1970, when Mac Edwards walks into the um, foothill station of the Los Angeles De- Police Department. Mm-hmm. He puts a loaded gun on the front desk and tells the on-duty officer, I have a guilt complex. What? Uh-huh. So he's taken into an interview room where he uh, eventually confesses to the kidnapping of three young sisters from <gasps> Silmar that had happened the day before. Mm. Okay. So basically, um, according to Edwards, he tells police that he and a teenage accomplice had broken in to the three girls home during the early morning hours after their parents had left the house for the day. They they were robbing the house and then then they abducted the girls. So they were sisters aged 12, 13 and 14. Mm. I do not know why you'd want to fuck with three sisters in that age Mm -mm. range. That's dangerous. Yeah. These idiots didn't know it, Um, but they were about to find out. Uh, They before they left the house, they forced the girls to write notes to their parents saying they were running away from home, which is fucking so evil. So evil. So. They get the girls in the car. They drive to the Angeles National Forest, which is just those words put strike fear into the heart. Uh At some point during this abduction, though, two of the three sisters get away. And then the third sister is left there 
Edwards and his teenage accomplice, of course, panic. Edwards knows that these girls can identify him. He's their old neighbor. Oh, shit. so they they knew who he was. They he was like, oh, this is over. So the the um, Edwards and his accomplice just leave and they leave the third sister in the oh, forest. OK, so Edwards knows that sooner or later he's going to get caught. They, this situation has gone totally out of control. Mm-hmm. So he decides I'm just going to cut to the chase and turn myself in <laughs> because it's going to happen anyway. And yeah. I, why wait for it? And it turns out the good news about all of that is that those girls were not attacked in any way or or physically harmed by those men. They basically scrambled the situation and got themselves out of it before anything bad could happen to them. Amazing. Aside from the the kidnapping itself. It's so awesome. Yeah. I just think like there's... You just don't mess with sisters. You <laughs> don't mess with junior high level That's right. sisters. They will murder you. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, so Mac Edwards, he he basically... the The police ask him why... He decided to kidnap these girls and he tells them that he planned to rape and murder all three of them. Holy shit. And then Edward says to the police, now there's other matters to discuss. <gasps> and Mac Edwards goes on to confess that between the span of 1953 and 1969, oh my he God. had kidnapped and murdered six children. Oh, my God. So this is what he confesses to and what the police just have to. They can't write fast enough yeah. to, to say what what is happening here. Uh, first, it was an eight year old girl named Stella Nolan. So she disappeared from a, the flea market that her mom worked at in Norwalk um, on June 20th, 1953. Oh. So the story was that um, her mom had to work. She knew that her daughter would be bored. She's an eight year old yeah. at this big flea market. So she said, you can walk around, but you have to come back every hour on the hour and check in with me so I know that you're here. And so that's what they that was the plan. That's what they'd always done. And this day, June 20th, when she was supposed to check in at nine o'clock, she never showed up. So immediately the mother knew something was wrong because Stella was super responsible and really smart and would not have just blown it off. Yeah. Um, So she called the police immediately. But she was. Again, it was a child who just disappeared without a trace. Mm. No one saw anything. And that case went cold for 16 years. Next was 13-year-old Don Baker and 11-year-old Brenda Howell. They'd gone bike riding together in San Gabriel Canyon on August 6, 1956, and they were never seen again. Because the bodies could not be found. This case, there was just no evidence. So that case went cold. This confession was especially shocking because Brenda Howell, the 11 year old, was actually Mac Edwards' sister in law. He was his, it was his wife's little sister Uh. that he murdered. Um, yeah. So then he swears that he, that he stopped murdering children for 12 years. Oh, great. He tried to get it all together. Um, but that changed on November 26, 1968, um, when he shot and killed a 16-year-old Gary Rocha in Rocha's home in Granada Hills. Hmm. Then um, his son's classmate was a 16-year-old named Roger Madison. And uh, Roger had left his house for the evening, never to be seen again. Turns out that Edwards had lured him into an orange grove and were stabbed him repeatedly on December oh 14th, God. 1968. So just killed him right there. Finally... Edwards confesses to kidnapping 13-year-old Donald Todd from his Pacoima home on May 16th, 1969. Donald's body was found under a footbridge. He'd been sexually assaulted and shot to death. Mm. So 
um, Edwards said that all these crimes were motivated by an urge for sex. So he assaulted all of these victims. And that was basically what was behind all of this. So these investigators know that in this 12-year period where he's saying, I was basically, I was trying to be good. I had my family and all this bullshit. They're just like, no. Um, So he basically, he confesses to these six murders, um, pleads guilty, to three counts of kidnapping and three counts of murder because those are the, the they only have the bodies right. of three victims. Right. Um, he's immediately found guilty and sentenced to death and he's sent to San Quentin and he's put on death row. Um, the reason that we've never heard uh, or that at least that I've never no. heard of, of Mac Ray Edwards is because right when he went to jail and when all this like this story broke, it was exactly at the same time as the Manson murders and when they arrested Charles Manson and the Manson family. So it completely got obliterated by the Manson murder story. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And this is a this is a I keep saying child serial killer. Yeah. Serial kill a serial killer of children. Yeah. Which is, I think, the worst. I mean, totally. I mean, yeah. It's also bad, but yeah. Um, so basically he just disappears because of Manson. When he goes to San Quentin, who's two cells down from no. him? Charles Manson. Oh. Yes. Gross. Can you imagine how boring that fucking idiot the was? The whole the babbling that went on Ugh. in that block. But and there is actually a uh, a teenage prisoner that was only identified as being named Roberto that was the person between the oh two cells. Oh my god, he's like... So he has Charles Manson on one side, who he said he actually enjoyed talking to Mac Ray Edwards more because Charles Manson would be nice one second, offering him cigarettes, and then threaten to kill him the next second. Meanwhile, Edwards was really friendly and normal the whole time, but then starts telling him about all the other uh, kids that he's killed. No. Yes. So he's doing that jailhouse confession slash brag thing yeah. to the poor guy in the cell next to him where he said he couldn't sleep at night because the guy was just talking (gasps) and telling him all these other kids that he had murdered so it's all bad it's so horrible um so basically when he's found guilty and he's sent to san quentin he tells he tells the court i want to be electrocuted in an electric chair can you move me up to the front of the line there's some people that are there they're waiting and they're sweating right i want i want to be in the electric chair it's all i've ever wanted oh my god they're like yeah it doesn't work like that friend and because it is all you've ever wanted now you'll never get it right now we're fucking terrified of you yeah so the request is to denied he makes several suicide attempts um and finally in november of 1971 mac edwards hangs himself with a tv cord in his prison cell at the age 52 <sighs> so august we're now back to august of 2006 uh, where weston dewalt has dinner with mac edwards 76 year old widow and her family no way yes so he's basically saying i'm trying to investigate these murders i'm trying to get these <sighs> victims families some kind of it's never closure but right. some kind of answer right and and um, he, uh, to that dinner, brings Bill Gleason, who's a consultant for the California Department of Justice. And so during that um, visit, Max Widow reveals he'd written a confession letter to her right before his suicide from jail. And in the letter, Edward says this about his original confession, oh. quote, I was going to add one more, but that was the Tommy Bowman boy that disappeared in Pasadena. But I felt like I would really make a mess of it of that one so I left him out of it so then 
uh, DeWalt finds that Mac's employer in 1969 was a company called Cursed Construction, and they had an equipment yard less than half a mile from where Tommy Bowman went missing. Shit. And in this letter, Edwards also tells his wife that he'd only killed one of the six children that he'd admitted to, and that the person responsible for the other five murders was his, quote, crippled neighbor, as, as the way he describes him. Uh-huh. He basically told his wife he's trying to cover for this neighbor right. who's the one who really oh, did it. What a hero. So, right. But Weston DeWalt looks into this story. There's no neighbor. Of there course. never had been. Of course. So then um, Weston DeWalt, the author, he tracks down Edward's arresting officer to get more information. Basically, Aye. he's trying to fill in these gaps. Yeah. Um, and that guy points him to another guard that Edward's had kind of befriended before he was transferred to San Quentin. So that guard, the second guard tells DeWalt that while in prison, Edwards confessed to him that he was actually responsible for 18 murders, not just six. Jesus. When the guard asked Edwards why he didn't confess to all of them, Edwards told him that it was because the cops had, quote, said bad things about me in court. Okay, dude, they're allowed to. I mean, you're a bad guy. Yeah. But also it's that weird kind of thinking where because they don't care about other human beings and they don't think about other right. human beings or whatever, they he doesn't see the difference between confessing to these six and letting all these other people off the right. hook for children that disappeared out of the blue yeah. for these poor families. Yeah. So then the cell, um, the guy that was in the cell between Manson and, and Edwards, Roberto, Roberto, um, he said that Edwards confessed to at least 20. Jesus. To him. Ugh. Uh, we may never know the true count of his victims. Authority, authorities believe it's definitely safe to assume it's more than six. Yeah. So the bodies of th- three of Edwards known victims, Don Baker, Brenda Howell, and Roger Madison were never found. Mm-hmm. Um, but Detective Flores had been focusing her efforts on finding Roger Madison's body. She finally gets a break when she she discovers there's a transcript of Mac Edwards' confession of the murder of Donald Todd. And in that confession, Edwards says that he stabbed Madison in a Silmar orange grove and buried him along the 23 freeway um, on Caltrans land in Moor Park. But that freeway was still under construction at the time. So Flores um, finds a retired Caltrans employee. This is how hard she's working oh my this case. God, I'm- on the edge of my seat. She finds a, a retired Caltrans employee who had kept detailed logs of the work he had done over the years, like where Fuck. and when. So using his logs, they're able to pinpoint the exact location of where Caltrans had been working along the 23 freeway on December 16th, 1969. Dude. So three months later, Detective Flores has uh, corpse-sniffing dogs <gasps> sent to the area um, that were where they were supposed to have been working. And um, those dogs all find the same spot. They Are all you kid- like 50 years later and yes. under cement. Right. And uh, so they that's when they're like, OK, this is where we're going to start. So on October 6, 2008, <sighs> Flores and her team start digging up the area next to the 23 freeway in Moore Park. They do dig for five days. Mm. And uh, even though that there were DNA tests taken of the area yeah. that showed that um, Roger's DNA was there no. and ground penetrating radar said that there was something buried there. No. And of course, the logs showed they couldn't find anything. Uh, and if they kept on digging, they were going to have to shut down the freeway. It could have been like 
you know, five fucking feet off. That's what's like such a bummer. It's about so it. frustrating. Yeah. And because this guy, um, essentially, bec- they're not going to shut down the freeway. Right. So the, so the dig is called off. And there's something so especially sinister. The fact that he, this is, this was the plan all along. Yeah. Because when he was working on those freeways, basically he would time his murders knowing that they were about to go do, no um, do, basically be building these things. So yeah. the night before he would go dig the hole and then put his his murder victims in these graves. And then the next day it would all get covered over by oh cement and freeways. That's the creepiest thing I've ever heard it's in my life. It's so it, it's like the the original freeway killer story yeah. where it's like just bad vibes. Like, that's what this is all about yeah. down here. That's what this fucking creepy road ragey yeah, aggro was, feeling is. But it was all rural back, rural back then. Yes. And like it was all families trying to come out here and, and make a difference and, you know, make their way. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't Hollywood and everything. No. And it's just it's crazy. It's it's so nuts. Um, so as sad as that is and as unsatisfying as that is, it's basically, yeah, shut down the freeways. Who cares? Yeah. Find those remains. Yeah. It, it's basically red tape. It's not right. going to happen. Right. What's cool and lovely and small but still important is that Roger's sister came and she got to leave flowers next to Aww. basically the excavation area where they were trying to find him. And they, uh, the police who were standing by and the Caltrans employees, everybody like removed their hats Aww. and had a moment of silence um, for Roger Madison and his loss of life. And then they basically had to cover it all over. So despite his claims no one believes that of course Mac Edwards went dormant for 12 years right. between Brenda Howell and Don Baker's double murder and Gary Roach's murder um, so Weston DeWalt Vivian Flores many LAPD cold case detectives continue to this day to try linking Mac Edwards movements and personal timeline with all the cold cases of missing and murdered children yeah. in Southern California and that is the deeply disturbing and little known story of Mac Ray Edwards LA's least known serial killer of children fuck man who knew isn't that fucked what a crazy story yeah good job thank you it's that it gets me in so many ways. I know. He's the, oh, he lets everybody ride the horses yeah. and he's so nice and let's it's go camping. Murder. He's a molesting, murdering piece of shit. Uh. He also, they eventually, you know, as they dug up all these um, files and everything, before he left Arkansas, he had molested a girl. It was probably the reason that he left yeah. and came out. Yeah. So it's like he's just got the longest track record. It's just so. And what a perfect place to come to when you're like in a small town in Arkansas. Arkansas that you get run out of because you're molesting someone you go to LA where it's like it's a big sprawling you know anonymous city yeah that's growing yeah you gotta be the the freeway aspect is so chilling and also the way he did it where somehow he was able to um get in and out of these places unseen and unnoticed he's you know like just kind of the master of that thing where however he did it and and the idea that tommy bowman was crying when he was walking up that street and the man was behind him clearly he knew how to very quickly 
like win the favor of and then intimidate children or is it a time and a place where you mind your own fucking business and so no one is noticing these things and it's just a kid crying yeah and, and upset and, and you don't think twice about da- it a mean dad mean and dad don't, yeah it's none of your business yeah. you're right yeah. it was so long before like this is pre so much stuff yeah stranger it's, danger and- it's pre everything where it's just like you could hit your kids you could hit your neighbor's kids <laughs> everybody gets hit yeah every teachers very, no one gets looked out for kids are out or like hiking alone i mean he wasn't but yeah. you know it's just that it was the time where it yeah. was just like sure if you want to go off and wander around for a while sure do it yeah yeah just no. we just didn't know we didn't know and no it was one knew. be polite just to, to adults and yeah and assume that if somebody you know whether it's owns horses or goes to church or whatever is like everyone's buying everybody else's mask just a hundred percent outright and like sounds good if you're a man yeah. and you have a job and you're blue collar and then you're nice yeah no you one will suspect these you. children camping great no Ugh. good job thank you that i need a i'm gonna put something in google like similar and get a story like that because i was fucking yeah pay dirt yeah it really was. Hor- I mean, it was horrible. horrible. It was the horrible worst. Horrible pay dirt. The worst of all pay dirts. But also, it's the, th- the thing where you... I always think I've heard everything. Yeah. And you're... Of course not. There's no. so much terrible shit out there. So much. And we promise we'll bring it to you <laughs> the second we find out about it. Uh, we almost have <gasps> 200 episodes. Can you believe totally. that? We have to do a good one for our 200. <laughs> what are we going to do? I don't know. When? Stephen, just do it. <laughs> Make it happen. Just God. edit uh, everything we've ever said together. <laughs> what was my idea the other day of a compilation of <laughs> the, the like one word from every episode? <laughs> you're like, Stephen, I know you're busy. Stephen, if we're going to do a 200th episode, what if we just do like a great moment from every episode? <laughs> Georgia goes, sorry. How- sorry. Sorry. I'm from Canada. How is he supposed to do that? And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I just- I just want to try he's to figure kind something of, out. He's kind of running exactly right's uh, audio engineering program. Yeah, he's kind of producing five other podcasts <laughs> right now simultaneously, as well as several pilots. Um, but yeah, no, that's not going to work out. What's your um? And do you have a <laughs> cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> I just did a cigarette gesture to Georgia with, with a pen. the pen. It was pretty fabulous. This is like me all through grammar school. Ah, yeah. Another way to get a little attention. Pretend to smoke as a child. <laughs> it's pay dirt. <laughs> pay dirt. It's so funny. Um, do you have a fucking hooray? I'm sure I do. Okay. I guess my fucking hooray is like a future fucking hooray. Is okay. that like, I can't wait to step onto that plane tomorrow. Hell yes, I girl. I can't wait. And like, so my therapist is like, you have to do five positives every day. I can't wait to be thin cold UK and Ireland fucking air. I can't yes. wait. It's going to be all Christmassy over there and shit, which I love. Yeah. We're going to eat the best fucking food. Yes. We're going to have all this time on the airplane to work. <sighs> uh, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, and it's just going to be great. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this trip. And then Yay. the three of us are going to fucking Barcelona. Yes. For the last three days just to have a, we're calling it a work retreat. It's a company retreat. That's right. That's right. I can't wait. It's going to be so fun. We're going to eat so much. I love it. Do you know that the company retreat is me laying in your guys' bed in your hotel room? <laughs> with Move us, over. With us being drunk. Karen, <laughs> I want more tapas. I'll get them for you. Just give me four hours. Um, 
I'm so happy to hear you say that because, you know, by the end of our sp- the fucking Dude. winter spring tour, which really was just the entire first half of 2019 tour, yeah. it, it really felt like neither of us ever wanted to do it ever again. Yeah. It was so, you know, it was long. It was consistent. It was whatever. So I'm glad. I'm glad that, you know, we yeah. took enough time off that this is actually like, yay. Me too. Because it is so fun um, and exciting. I think... Mine is a, I, I definitely want to piggyback on that because I am truly so excited. And, but I'll, but also today, so I, of course, leave everything to the last minute. So yeah. today, in between six other things that I'm supposed to do, I ran to Macy's just to get some tights and what have you. Yeah. I get to get you, you some tights. <laughs> um, but as I was standing there in the line, which was very long, and I started in my head basically like as if I'm on the phone. We're going, can you please hire more people? Yeah. It's the holidays. Yeah. There's like, it's one o'clock in the afternoon and that we're eight deep here at the, in the lingerie section at Macy's. Right. Um, but instead of doing that, I was just kind of trying to, uh, my, uh, my thing that I'm working on now, thank you, Tara Brock, is the just awareness of what you're thinking so that you can change your thought patterns. Okay. So it's like, if I'm just standing there and my habit is to, in, mentally yell at people mm. maybe just put the, a pause on that and see what's actually happening around me that I could be enjoying instead of being in my thoughts negatively okay and I'm standing I realize I'm standing next to a huge display of pajamas and they're, they look kind of cozy and they're like flannel red plaid pajamas yeah so I start touching them like well, I want flannel red pa- plaid pajamas out of nowhere this lady comes around the corner and goes, I got pajamas just like that for my grandchildren. They all matched. We took a picture. It was the greatest. <laughs> she starts telling me some who goddamn story. Surprise grandma. Surprise grandma who had no, uh, there was not even, it was as if I told her, could you meet me here at one yeah, o'clock or so we like, could talk about this? I wish I had a story about these pajamas. <laughs> and then boom, around the corner. <laughs> and I realize when I'm not in my head projecting and making problems Aww. or trying to work through problems, I'm the kind of person people walk up to and tell random Are shit you? to. Yes. Okay. A hundred percent. If I can keep myself present. Okay. And that is, I have to remind myself, I love that. The, the way she told me that story and as, as if it was vital information sure. I needed to know that was going to help me decide whether or not I was going to get these pajamas. I was just like, yes. And then she, did you get them? As she walked away. Well, they, I wasn't thinking of them really for me. Yeah. I was, it was conceptual, but I was like, pajamas. Christmas. My sister always gets me pajamas, pajamas for Christmas. And slippers are the best fucking gifts for people. For Everybody them. always needs and wants always them. Always the best. Always. But as she walked away, she goes, I don't know what I'm going to do this year. And then I yell after her, like, you can beat it. You can do it. If you did it last year, you can do it this year. I'm having, it's a like, it was the funniest moment. So anyway, it was just a little reminder to me. I think it's like, open yourself up to surprise grandmas. Yes. Because that's the, that is the stuff of life. Yeah. It's not uh, the satisfaction you get yelling at people because there's not enough people working at the <laughs> counter. That doesn't give me anything. No. It depletes me entirely. It does. Even when it's just mental. Yeah. Where of like, 
being mad or or staying no, in anger adrenal glands and shit they just are like no it doesn't do anything and also it's just like and i'm lucky enough to be here shopping in totally. the first place you're gonna get to the front of the line at some point yes you might as well talk to a surprise i'm really obsessed with the surprise grandma surprise grandma <laughs> is kind of the greatest because also they're all around us but if you're not if i am not paying attention and if i need to feel like the way i control the world is pre-argue everything so the argument's yeah. ready it's i'm ruining my own good time okay and i and I I think I'm getting okay at trying to keep it in mind, but like especially on this trip, yeah. that's when you need to do it the most because I we have so many flights. Yes, and you just anticipate this is gonna be bad and this and it's like, no, 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 these are all opportunities to have Aww, surprise grandma moments. I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's it. Right? That's the answer to life. This is it. So let's let's all keep our surprise grandma diary for our trip. Okay. Then we can go back and tell these stories. All right, I'll see you at LAX tomorrow. <laughs> and we'll do it. Let's do we'll it. A, we'll have a go surprise grandma. Surprise grandma, come out wherever you are. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um fucking thanks for listening you guys we appreciate you so much i was at a bar last night and this crying girl came up to me freaking out and said i just got dumped but see i'm seeing i just ran into you and it made my night oh she was so sweet that's such a nice thing for such a shitty i know time of her life. and i was like fuck him fuck, fuck him. everything yes i'm so happy to meet you and your friends are all around you yeah it's what i said too look up your murderino friends they're here yes it's just such a rad community you know as you say that sorry but i just had one where i walked into the starbucks i was actually just walking out of the starbucks Mm -hmm. and a girl was walking in and she had the moment as we were passing the doorway where she went (gasps) (laughs) and i stopped and i was like yep and then she didn't know what to do and i and i had i was on my of course i was already 10 minutes late but i had to stop at starbucks and she stood there for a moment and then i was like hi good to see you and i was trying to kind of like end it and then she just looked around and started going oh my god to the rest of the (laughs) starbucks and so i just left so i apologize to her because her excitement was real i'm sorry that i don't like that (laughs) i like the beginning and not the end so i bailed and i apologize i apologize we're so different you and i we we really but this was a small quiet starbucks that i've just been super a part of and then it was like i caused yelling at the back tomorrow (laughs) and shit and they like i need to be able to go back that's happened in my manicure place a couple times where and i'm sure they're wondering who the fuck is this shit (laughs) she must be some kind of lunatic um my that was the point of saying thanks you guys for supporting yep. us yep. we're so lucky supporting us even when we when i don't make it seem like it's what i want <laughs> it is what i want and thank you for doing it it yeah. means the world we're so grateful we're grateful we get to go to the uk and ireland again we that's, can't wait to tell you all about it so amazing it's gonna be real good that's right um so thanks for everything stay sexy and don't get murdered goodbye, goodbye. elvis you want a cookie